it's hard to kind of know what Christmas is about when we look at the world around us, you know, like, why did he come? Why did Jesus come? Why was it necessary that he be born as a baby? And, you know, what was the purpose of it all? Why, what, why, did, he, why, did, why did he come? So that's what we're going to be looking at today. And um, he came to give us peace. But what's that peace all about? So the passage that we're going to be looking at is, is from the book of Luke. We've been looking at the book of Luke all year. And so we're just going to read um, from that. So it says, that, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. So Jesus came, his purpose was to come to bring peace. But when we're talking about peace, what kind of, what, what are we actually talking about? So let's just start with what he didn't come to bring. He didn't come to bring international or political peace. He just didn't come to bring that kind of peace. Since the birth of Jesus 2,000 years ago, um, if he was to bring, if that was the intent of what he was coming, then his mission has failed and his followers have failed. The 20th century alone has been one of the most bloodshed centuries since he, he came. And when we look at conflicts like in Rwanda, you know, in Rwanda when that awful genocide happened, 90% of those that were killed were Christians, but 90% of those that were doing the killing were Christians. They sat in church on a Sunday together and then they killed one another. And so if Jesus was coming to bring international or um, political peace, then his mission has failed miserably. And Jesus actually said that that's not why he came. He actually said when wars um, arise, don't get anxious. He said nation will rise against nation, kingdom will rise against kingdom. And so even though Christians need to be actively involved because we are asked, he asks us to be peacemakers and he asks us to have a seat at the table and to do all we can to bring about peace in that inter international and political sphere, it's not the main peace that he came to give us. And then the second one is, is that sometimes people kind of think, oh, he came to give us internal peace. You know, he came to give us this psychological peace. And um, we kind of want this equilibrium, don't we? We're looking for it in our culture at the moment. We don't want to have anxiety. We don't want to have any form of anxiety or stress. We used to call them butterflies, but now it's, it, it, we call it anxiety. And we kind of want... We want the pill or we want the potion or we want the strategies or we want something that's going to make us be able to be calm all the time and go through life calm and able to respond to anything that happens in our world with absolute calmness. And so we think Jesus does that and Jesus does promise to give us a peace that is beyond all understanding and we experience it at times. I've experienced it at times. But there are times when I haven't experienced it and I'm sure you haven't experienced it where something's just hit you in this world or you've encountered something and you've just gone, oh, it's just rocked your world and it's hard to find peace in those moments. And so he didn't 
necessarily come. He actually said that, you know, sometimes there's going to be conflict in families where one family member is going to be against another family member. He also said that the peace he gives turns our heart from stone, which means being cold and um, uncaring to the things around you, you know, a little bit numb. The peace he says that, that he gives us is that it turns our heart of stone into a heart of love. So if your heart's going to be open to love, I can tell you now there are going to be times when you're not going to experience peace living in the kind of world that we are living in. You can't go into places of poverty or places where there, um, where it's war-torn or where there's just been incredible t- tragedy and come out feeling, oh, I've got the peace of God that passes all understanding. Now, you'll come out of those situations with grief and, and heartache because your heart's touched another heart. And his idea of peace wasn't some sort of mystical aspiration. It's tangible. It's something that we experience here on earth. So what was it? Well, Zechariah, he was the father of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is the cousin of Jesus. And there's about six months between them, give or take. And um, if you remember um, <laughs> Zechariah, if you know the story, Zechariah is an old um, man and he's, he's told that he's going to have a, um, a, a son, a baby. And, you know, the angel delivers the news and he decides that he's going to kind of have a conversation with the angel which kind of, you know, sort of says that he doesn't have much faith. And you never take on an angel. So the <laughs> angel makes him numb uh, so that he can't speak. And then when he can speak... He comes out and he says this about his child, John the Baptist, and it relates to who Jesus is. And it says here, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, to which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the path of peace. So in this passage, we're given something tangible, objective. He's talking about peace and he's linking it to the forgiveness of sins. So what's going on in here? And then in the original passage that I first read out, we read it in the New International Version. And some of you who have maybe sat in church for a long, long time, it kind of didn't sound quite right because you're used to the King James's spin on it, which isn't quite true, but it's the one that's now made its way to all our cards and in our songs and everything. So we commonly say, peace on earth, goodwill to all men. But in the original translation, it should read, peace toward men to whom God has goodwill, on whom his good favour rests. So what it's saying there is, it's saying there was ill will and now there is goodwill. So what it's saying is, is that the reason Jesus came and the peace he came to give was that this relationship, so if we say this is God up here and this is us down here, this, this kind of vertical relationship, it's saying this vertical relationship was broken, that there was ill will. We had ill will towards God and um, that Jesus came so that then we can have a friendship relationship so that we can be restored, this relationship can be totally and utterly restored. 
But this is hard for our minds to wrap around. It's hard for us to kind of understand that Jesus came to bring peace to our relationship with God. And it's hard to wrap our head around it for a number of reasons. One is we're groomed in a culture that's not very spiritual. Kate's just come back from India and I bet you one of the big contrasts that she'll say is in that culture they're very spiritual. They're very aware of the spiritual dynamics that are happening. One little girl at our light show was saying to um, Wendy on Friday night that um, Jesus was loving and kind and good but he was dead. So there's, there's very little awareness in our culture of spirituality and it's very hard to have spiritual conversations. In India, it's easy to have a conversation with a Muslim or a Sikh or a Hindu. You can just have these kinds of conversations. But in our culture, it's very difficult for us to have a conversation. And so we don't ever ask, well, who is Jesus? Jesus claims to be the Son of God. Yes, he came in human form, but he still claims to be the Son of God. He claims that his death and his resurrection provides peace between us and God. But where do we unpack that and how do we unpack that? It's a really, really important question that we need to unpack. And in our culture, it's hard. So if you're at that stage and you don't know who Jesus is, you haven't figured it out, you haven't ever exposed yourself to thinking, well, who was this dude? You know, was he just a nice, good, kind man or was he actually something more than that? Can I encourage you to make it a New Year's resolution? Figure it out. In the New Year, we'll be doing Alpha where you can just come and ask questions. Any questions allowed. And you don't have to agree and you don't even have to convert or you don't have to change your mind. But just ask the question. Just ask the question. The second reason why it's hard for us to figure this out and understand this is, is and to understand that we have a broken relationship with God is because we don't want to talk about sin. So if I talk to most people, most people say, oh, I'm a really good person. I've heard it about three or four times this year, this week alone. I'm a really good person. I'm really kind. Um, there's nothing wrong with me. And there's nothing wrong in one sense. But I'm a really good, kind person. And, and we feel really uncomfortable with the word sin. But the funny thing is... <clears throat> If I were to ask you about the impact of sin on your life, every single one of you and every single person in our community could tell me how sin has impacted them. So if you think about that time when you loved somebody and that person who loved you betrayed you or lied about you or broke your heart or said unkind things or you think about in the schoolyard when somebody um, was just bullying or when they lied and they they uh, created mischief or that time that you were maybe on the footy field and you got into a fisticuff with somebody and and you got hurt we've all experienced sin and we find it easy to kind of go I've been impacted by sin but we find it really hard to kind of go you know what <laughs> I'm no different I hurt people there are times when I'm unkind. There are times when I'm unloving. There's times when I'm not merciful. There are times when I lie. There are times when I cheat. There are times when I, you fill in the dots and the blanks. We hurt one another. And for a God who is incredibly loving and holy, that breaks his heart. It, it mucks up this relationship between, between the two of us. And so it's really hard to come to terms with this whole concept of Jesus bringing peace on earth because we're running around all the time saying we're good people, we're kind people, but everybody else out there <laughs> at times isn't. 
I remember um, a couple of weeks ago seeing a um, post on Facebook from somebody and they said, why can't people just be kind? I'm kind of going, because we're prone to sinning. We, we've just got something on the inside of us that, that is just prone to, to not loving one another, to not, to not being kind. And the third one, and it's one that we don't talk about, the third reason why it's hard for us to receive the peace of Jesus is that we don't ever want to admit that we're at war with Jesus or God. We don't want to admit that we actually don't like God. Even as Christians, we don't want to admit we don't like God. If we liked God, we'd spend more time with God. We'd, we'd spend more time chatting to him. We'd spend more time um, reading um, his love letter to us. We would spend more time trying to um, live out the things that he, he's asked us to do. But... Really, if we're really honest with ourselves, we simply don't really like God. We like ourselves far more than we like God. And so it's really, really hard um, to receive a gift if you don't really want to receive it. And it's really hard to receive a gift if you're kind of at war with someone. So, for example, I need to lose weight and... um, but I'm not really that interested in losing weight. You know, I'm just maybe 70%, 80%. You know, I'm pretty active, walk about 10K a day, I try to eat well, um, try to sleep, do all the right things. But I still need to lose weight. So if Timmy um, were, were to go and buy me a book on um, how to lose weight, and, and it was filled with all these fab recipes, and he gave that to me as a Christmas present, I would probably go... Oh, thank you, dear. That's so lovely. You're so kind. And then you know what I would do? I would just put it away and probably never open it because I don't actually want to receive it. I'm not interested in it. And so it's hard to open a gift. It's hard to receive a gift if we can't admit that we need it and that we want it. And one of the reasons why we can't um, receive um, God is because... Um, we're at we're at war with God. We we just we just at war with Him. In Romans eight verse seven, it says, "The mind is governed by the flesh; is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so." And that's a really radical statement. It's a statement that we don't often want to come to grips with. So I want you to think about: it. you've got two people, and they're in love, and then they separate. They're estranged. And when they fell in love, they fell in love with certain characteristics of that person, you know. Um, there, there was just things that attracted them to that person. And then when they, as time went by, they started to get angry and then they started to get bitter and then they started to get resentful and, you know, most, most things are stirred by anger. And then eventually they just become this estranged kind of couple. And so everything then, the way in which they see their ex is filtered through this filter of anger and hurt. And so the characteristics that they once loved um, and thought were positive are no longer positive. So, for example, she might have seen him as this calm person who never got um, uptight or emotional about anything and now she sees him as emotionally cool and distant. He would have seen her maybe as this person who was really highly organised and knew what they wanted and all of that kind of stuff. And now he sees her as rigid and controlling and domineering. And so everything gets filtered through this filter 
of um, of not of anger and of not really being uh, of not really being able to see who the the person actually is. And it's exactly the same with God. Often, when we're looking at God, we're filtering our, the picture of God through our lens. And usually it's a lens which says, I'm right, <laughs> I know how what's best for my life, I know what I need, and I know how to run the world. So then there are characteristics of God which just uh, uh, can no longer be seen. So for example, the mystery of God. You know, there are things about God we can't explain. There are things about this world that we can't explain. That's God. That's, that's the mystery. That's the obscurity of who God is. The, the enmity in our heart or that, that thing that we have against God means that the sovereignty of God where he can do what he wants and needs to is now seen as unaccountability. He didn't behave the way I wanted him to behave. He didn't provide what I needed him to provide me with. And that thing that you talk about grace, grace with God, well, that's just too easy, you know. You have to work for it. You have to do something to get right with God. You can't just get free grace. And so when we don't acknowledge enmity towards God, we will look at all the perfections of God, but we'll see it through this filter of complaining. We'll say, I don't know why he does the things he does. How can I believe in a God that goes and does that or allows that to happen? And in one sense, we're kind of saying, I believe he's so big and so great, but I'm going to see it as a lack of accountability to me because he hasn't done what I've wanted him to do. And yet we have this God. At this time of Christmas, we're celebrating this God, this Jesus, who came into the world and allowed the most terrible, terrible things in life to happen to him. But instead of seeing his pain and his suffering and how he hated the evil of this world so much that he chose to come and do something about it, we go, why couldn't he think about my pain? Why couldn't he do what I wanted him to do? I know the best way in which the world should run. That's enmity. That's despising God. That's saying, I don't think enough of your infinite wisdom that you could do things way beyond my wisdom and understanding. You know, I often hear people, they'll say, oh, I believe in God. I believe there's a God. I don't despise God. I don't hate God. I don't have an issue with God. I believe in God. But then when you start to ask them and you start to peel and you start to prod, well, who is God? Who is he? And usually what they've done is they've concocted an idea of who God is and it fits their, fits who they want it to be rather than who God actually is. And in scripture, when you encounter God, it does two things to you on the inside. One is you have this incredible joy, this incredible sense of joy and wonder and this sense of just being loved and forgiven and secure. But then you also have this other side of you where you have a sense of, it's not a fear as in a, 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 um, a living dread or anything like that, but you have this sense of fearful awe, if I can put it that way, that you're aware that there's this God that you don't understand and who acts and behaves in ways that you don't understand and does things that you don't understand at all. And that God is hard. <laughs> that God's hard to love. That God's hard to have a friendship with. That God's hard to communicate with. 
it's hard for us to admit that we have enmity with God. And until we kind of acknowledge, you know, in part of my processing, my heart's actually not very open to discovering who the real God is because I actually want him in my box. I want him neat, (laughs) tidy, safe in my box. And I really want to live life the way I want to live it rather than maybe that God has another plan and a purpose for my life. You know, the reality is we come to celebrate this beautiful season where Jesus came. He came to earth in the form of a baby. He lived the life that we, he wants us to live. He, he died the death we should have died. <laughs> he took the penalty for all the stuff, all the sins that we've done. And all he's asking for from us is to go on this journey of discovering who he is and doing life with him, of inviting him into our life and of, of doing life. I'm, not, I'm one of these kinds of people who thinks that discipleship is a lifelong process, that we're constantly learning. We're constantly learning about this God and he's constantly changing us and that everything doesn't happen in a one-bam moment. Yes, we receive salvation, it's a gift. We receive it in a period in time here on earth. But the ongoing relationship that he actually came to give us is this wonderful journey of exploration and curiosity and wonder and beauty. And that's the peace. The peace is that our relationship with God is made better. In 1 Peter 1.12, Peter um, talks about what Jesus has done And he does this little throwaway line. He says, even angels long to look into these things. Angels long to look. Angels are smarter. They're deeper. They're wiser than we are. They are great beings. And Peter here is saying, angels relentlessly look, study, reflect, and think about what Jesus has done. They think about the gospel. They think about what it is for humanity to be reconciled with God. They think about what it is for a person to have friendship with God. They're constantly thinking about this peace that God is offering to humanity, to one life at a time. And no wonder in this passage that we started off with, no wonder they got excited and filled the sky, revealing themselves, like they just couldn't help themselves, to the shepherds. Can you imagine that moment? You're in the fields, you're watching over your sheep, and then all of a sudden these massive, big, loud beings who are louder than a rock band, every time they show up in Scripture, they're so loud, so big, they pop up in the sky, they're so excited because they're constantly thinking and studying and wondering about the gospel and the wonder of it and going, wow, finally, finally, people can be reconciled with God. Finally, people can have friendship with God. Can I just ask, is that your heart? Is that your heart? That you're just filled with this wonder and this longing to constantly try to understand what does it mean to have friendship with God? What does it mean to step into that friendship with God. Can I encourage you in 2024 to be spiritual seekers, to put your big girl pants on and your big boy pants on 
to go anti-culture and to ask some serious questions. Who is this Jesus? Why did he come? What's Christmas all about? And sin, what is sin? Do I do it? Do I need to do something about it? Am I at war with God? Can I see who God actually is or am I filtering him out all the time because I've got a beef against God or I've got something against God? It's, there's, there's something that stops me from seeing who God actually is. Can I, am I willing enough to put that aside to actually begin to question and seek and see who he actually might be? I've walked with um, Jesus since I was seven years old. So I don't really know what it's like to do life without Jesus, but I do know what it is like to do life with Jesus. And for me, it's, um, it's the most wonderful peace in the world because every single day you just get to do relationship with a personal living God, and that's pretty amazing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come into Christmas and it's busy. There's lots going on. <clears throat> I just pray that in the midst of the busyness that we will see a God who loves, a God who decided to do a rescue plan because a God actually wanted to have a friendship and a relationship with us. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that you will just come and that you will spark a curiosity in us, that we will be like the angels and long to understand and long to be curious and long to learn more. So come Holy Spirit, I pray. In your precious name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you've enjoyed the message and that it's had great impact on you. If you want prayer, would like to connect with us further, or you just have questions, we would love to chat. You can find us at www.tarescommunitychurch.com.au or you can find us on Facebook. Have a great week.